Hello and welcome to the March edition of Capital Yarns, the podcast, where each week we bring to life a story set in Canberra inspired by items nominated by you. It's mid-March in Canberra, which means it's birthday time. Canberra's birthday is celebrated 12th of March each year and so many things happening around the capital to celebrate that event, including a long weekend. And so it seemed fitting to mark the occasion with a yarn reflects the spirit of Canberra Day. And we're going to hark back to a time of high culture in Canberra. At least it seemed that way to me, a young boy growing up in the uh, outer suburbs of Tuggeranong, when people dressed in strange outfits used to hurl themselves into the murky depths of late Lake Burley Griffin. Yes, it seems a long way from the bright lights of Enlighten, the uh, light festival which now occurs every Canberra Day long weekend and the weekends around it, or indeed the Balloon Fiesta, which is on at the moment in Canberra. March really is a fantastic time of year in the nation's capital. But back in the day, it was the Food and Wine Frolic and the Birdman Rally. And so we're going to hark back to those days with this yarn, inspired by three items that, uh, to me, immediately spoke of those days. As I said, the height of Canberra culture of the 80s and 90s, Cannonball plus a budgie plus a turnip. Hope you enjoy it. Read by Peter Hewiston. A rallying call. Bob stood on the runway, staring at the drop 20 metres in front of him and considered the icy cold water of Lake Burley Griffin below. The whistle would sound any minute now and he could begin his run. Would his suit hold? Would he finally break the 15-metre line? When would he feel nervous and would he win? Deep down he knew 50 metres was not a realistic possibility. Perhaps in his younger days he was a chance, but not now. Not even with his best ever suit, which this one wasn't. His old legs just couldn't propel him like before. Still, there was life in this old dog yet. No, not dog. Best not think about dogs. That dog costume last year was a disaster. As long as he didn't bomb out completely like that fool in the turnip costume who had leapt to a painful belly flop minutes before. He glanced at the Capital 7 camera to his right. Embarrassing himself on the news tonight wouldn't bode well for his re-election chances. Before he could consider the aerodynamic capabilities of his present suit any further, the judge to the side of the platform made eye contact with him, and Bob became aware of his name being announced by the commentator across the PA system. Around him, on either side of the lake, loud cheers rang out. 100,000 people were willing him on. The butterflies returned now with that usual late burst of near-body-numbing intensity. Bob thought he'd be sick, but he thought he'd be sick every year at this time. The whistle suddenly rang out. He took a deep breath and willed his limbs to move. He was surprised when they did, and watching himself from above, he became aware of his legs moving faster and faster, propelling further and further along the runway. He opened his mouth, ready to scream his chant of triumph as he leapt. Dad? Pop blinked. Dad, where had that come from? 
He suddenly became aware of someone shaking him. Dad! Bob slowly opened his eyes, now aware he was lying in bed. Dad, you were dreaming again about the bloody rally. Bob opened his eyes and tried to focus on the person standing over him. Chris. It was Chris, his son. What are you doing here, son? Chris sighed. We were going to brunch, remember? Honestly, Dad, how you were a functional member of Parliament for so long, I will never know. Let alone how you competed in all those rallies. I'm trying to bring it back, Chris. You just wait and see, Bob mumbled, as he wiped the sleep from his eyes. I'm sure you will, Dad. Now, can you get dressed so we can go to brunch? Bob nodded and began to stand up. As he did so, an alarm started sounding on the phone next to his bed. Chris picked up the phone and glanced at the screen. Dad, this is a reminder for a doctor's appointment. Do you have an appointment this morning? Damn, exclaimed Bob. I only made it yesterday with some fancy specialist Dr Jones says I have to see. Forgot all about our plans. Can we catch up for brunch another time, son? I'm sorry. Chris sighed. Sure, how about I give you a lift to the surgery at least? An hour later, Bob was buttoning his shirt and looking quizzically at the doctor. He wasn't yet sure how best to communicate with this man, or was it boy? Was Bob supposed to ask questions, or would the doctor volunteer answers? The doctor, Klein, Dr Klein, appeared not to notice his stare and was instead looking intently at the set of notes he had in his hand. Bob wasn't sure whether it was his age, but it felt like the many doctors he had seen over the preceding months were getting progressively younger. This one, apparently the most qualified, also appeared the youngest. He was surely only in his early twenties, but by the qualifications he had accrued on the wall, he was more likely to be in his early forties. He looked even younger than Chris. Chris, at the thought of his son, he again felt the deep pit of guilt opening in his stomach. He had disappointed Chris today, again, just when they seemed to have put their differences behind them. In the scheme of their difficult relationship, it hadn't been a big event. For a father and son on better terms, it wouldn't have been a problem at all. But Bob knew that their relationship was still on weak footings and his timing had been bad. Of course, a better father might have told him the truth. The truth that Bob had no choice but to keep this appointment. The truth that Bob's cough wasn't getting better. That it was a symptom of something potentially far worse. That Bob and the doctors still didn't know the full extent of it. But he hadn't told him any of that. Like many fathers before him, he had chosen to protect his son from the truth at least for the time being. Like countless decisions Bob had made in his life, it was for Chris's own good. But what good would it do their relationship? Maybe he would get some answers today, and maybe, just maybe, he would share them with Chris. Maybe this doctor would know those answers. Just when Bob thought he couldn't stand to sit in silence any longer, the young doctor looked up from his notes. He pointed his piercing blue eyes into Bob's old, tired, Greek, brown ones. Mr. Demetrio, I'm afraid I have some bad news.
An hour later, Bob was sitting with Chris at a Monica cafe trying to make amends for their missed brunch by shouting him a coffee. He made the mistake of telling Chris that he had an appointment with the Arts Minister the next morning to discuss the rally comeback. Things had gone well until Bob let slip he was going to compete. Compete? Dad, you're nuts. At your age, you could kill yourself. Chris, I'm dying, Bob blurted out in reply. He didn't know he was going to say it until he did. It just suddenly escaped from his lips. Quietly and not the way he had rehearsed a million times before in his head, but there it was. Even before the confirmation from the doctor today, he had known. Known for months. Chris fell silent and just stared at his father for a moment. Then he came round the table and put his arms round his father and let out the smallest of sobs. How long have you got? As he held his son and fought back his own tears, Bob had the feeling that Chris wasn't surprised by the news either. Nine months. That may have delayed their conversation about the rally for the time being, but it was the one they would return to in the following days and weeks. And Chris wasn't the only person Bob would have to have such an argument with. The next day he would have the same conversation with George, the ACT Minister for the Arts. The meeting began well enough. He had been shown in by a woman in a pantsuit who introduced herself as Megan. I'll sit and take notes if that's okay, Mr Demetrio. Bob nodded. Sure, no problems. I always used to have someone take notes for me up on the hill. Do you miss being a senator? Megan replied, showing him into the minister's office. Bob laughed. Given my propensity for making enemies and being a maverick, he said this last word while gesturing with quotation marks with his hands. Not really. Ah, Bob, you old devil, great to see you. George Rickey, the Minister for Arts, had been a friend of many years. Plenty of political friends had disappeared from Bob's life after he retired. Some even pretended not to see him if they bummed into each other around Canberra. But George was different. George stood up from his desk and strode over with his arm outstretched. Good to see you too, George. Have you got any good news for me? Sit down, old friend, I sure do. After all these years of lobbying, you've finally convinced us. We're bringing back the Birdman Rally. Bob's heart leapt and they spent the rest of the meeting discussing timing and logistics. The event would feature on 10th of March the following year as part of the Canberra Day celebrations. Bob had smiled at the news. Perfect, gives me nine months to prepare. Well, Bob, that'll be some speech. I mean, of course you should do the opening, but I'm thinking like a ten-minute talk? Bob smiled. I mean to compete, George. How much is the prize for 50 metres? 20,000 seems a bit low with inflation over the past few decades. The minister sat back in his chair. You're going to compete at your age? Bob smiled. I sure am. It was a conversation he would have over and over again with nearly everyone in his life over the next nine months. Until at last, nine months later, he found himself on the runway, staring at the drop 20 metres in front of him 
and he thought about the icy cold water of Lake Burley Griffin below. No dream this time. The whistle would sound any minute now, and he could begin his run. Would his suit hold? Would he finally break the 50 metre mark? When would he feel nervous? And could he do it? Could he jump into the unknown? Deep down he knew the 50 metre mark was not a realistic possibility. Perhaps in his younger days he was a chance, but not now. Not even with his best ever suit, which this one wasn't. His old legs and sick body just couldn't propel him like before. Still, there was life in this old dog yet. No, not dog. Best not think about dogs. The dog costume of three decades ago had been a disaster. Before he could consider the aerodynamic capabilities of his present suit any more, the judge to the side of the platform made eye contact with him, and Bob became aware of his name being announced by the commentator across the PA system. Around him, on either side of the lake, loud cheers rang out. 200,000 people were willing him on. He just hoped he wouldn't bomb out completely like that fool in the budgie smugglers who had leapt to his embarrassing belly flop minutes before. He glanced at the webcam to his right. Embarrassing himself on YouTube wouldn't bode well for his chance of competing against next year. Ah, who was he kidding? He shouldn't be competing this year. He knew that, and this was definitely his last rally. But he was eternally grateful for that final chance at redemption, at another chance to reach that elusive 50 metre mark. The butterflies returned now, with the usual late burst of near-body-numbing intensity. Bob thought he would be sick, but he thought he would be sick every competition before this one, the feeling always just overcoming him. The whistle suddenly rang out. He took a deep breath and willed his limbs to move. It felt different this time, like he wasn't sure what he would find at the end of the runway, but there was something exhilarating about that. The crowd around him began to blur as he became aware of his legs moving faster and faster, propelling further and further along the runway. He opened his mouth, ready to scream his chant of triumph. As he leapt off the runway, he found Chris's face in the crowd and was pleased to see him smiling. Feeling himself flying through the air, he screamed his trademark call, the one he had screamed at every other rally, except this year, It fittingly also referred to his final suit, and perhaps his life. Cannonball! Well, that was great to hark back for me, at least, to um, childhood, very early childhood memories. We haven't had the Birdman Rally in Canberra for some time. But maybe one day we, we might see it again. Uh, I imagine the public liabilities alone would be a nightmare to anyone in government. But the thought of people dressing in strange outfits and hauling themselves into the lake, trying desperately to make that 50-metre mark, does still seem so exciting. If you'd like to see what that rally used to look like, then Capital Yarns, the book, is still available online and at a range of retailers around Canberra. And there's a fantastic photo, courtesy of the Canberra Times, of... Challenger, 
launching himself or herself into the water from the platform as thousands watch on from the hill around Lake Burley Griffin. Check out www.capitalyarns.com.au to see where you can grab that book. Thank you again for listening. I'll be back in April with another story. Uh, might have a Anzac Day or Easter theme. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're anywhere around the nation's capital, I encourage you to get out there and really enjoy all the fantastic events that are on show. Bye for now.